Hello there! Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our production and outreach director, Matt Walker. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! I want to start today by asking you a question, okay? Does anybody have any pet peeves? Okay, well, see, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of hands, but I heard some giggles. So, <laughs> um, Yeah, pet peeves are just those little things that they're really not that big of a deal, but they make you angry anyway, right? Um, some popular pet peeves are, uh, who hates, like, chewing and eating noises? Is that anybody in here? Yeah, that is me. I cannot stand chewing and eating noises. Um, what about this? Uh, do you, uh, maybe one of your pet peeves is like the person in front of you driving. They're acting like they've never operated a motor vehicle in their life, or they, maybe they have like beliefs against using a blinker or something. I don't know. Does that bother anybody else? Uh-huh. Yep. That's also me. Okay. <laughs> That's also me. Um, what about this one? Uh, people that decide that it's a good idea to talk in a movie theater. Does that bother anybody? All right. Also me, <laughs> okay? I just, you know, I'm gonna be honest, I'm just gonna spend the next 45 minutes talking about the things that bother Matt, and then we're just gonna get out of here and go home. How's that, is that a, is that a good plan? No, so everybody has these pet peeves. Uh, and related to the last one, um, there's a story. Uh, who's ever seen the movie A Quiet Place? All right, uh, it's a great movie. I, I love this movie, but essentially the plot of it is that Jim from The Office and his family are living in the post-apocalypse. And um, there are these crazy monster alien creatures that are sensitive and drawn to sound, right? And so naturally, uh, Jim and his family here, they have to live a very quiet life so as to not attract the monsters to them. So as you can imagine, A Quiet Place is a very quiet movie. And it's a really good movie. In fact, the sequel just came out and it's in theaters right now. Um, But it's a good movie. It is the only movie I've ever walked out of let me tell you why. When I, got, when I went to see it in the theater, about three rows behind me, and listen, I love our youth. I, I've worked with teenagers. You see where this is going. There was a group of about three or four teenagers about three rows behind us, and for whatever reason, they just decided they were going to talk the entire movie. Just talk, 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 talk. Not even whispering, just talking. And they were cracking these jokes and they were giggling. And one even like answered their phone. And I'm like, hey, listen, you paid for these tickets too. Why? It's a lot cheaper to do out somewhere else. But they were just, it was just driving me crazy. And I was like, I don't know how much of this I can handle. Because <laughs> it was just go. and the movie's so quiet anyway. And I could hear every single word. And then at one point, I hear a sound. And it... Do you guys know those like styrofoam coolers you can get at the grocery store? Okay, well, I hear one of those be rip, being ripped apart three rows behind me. And I'm like, what is that? And I turn, and one of these guys are just shoveling, like, and I mean shoveling popcorn into his mouth. Just like, and I'm like, have you never eaten before in your life? Has no one, has no one trained you how to do this like a, like a human being? And I was just like, and I just felt it building inside of me. And I was just like, 
I'm out. <laughs> and I left. And unfortunately, this says a lot about me as a person. Um, in my anger, the first thing that I did after I left was I sat down in my car and I drafted up a really angry Facebook post <laughs> about, about how angry I was and how just, uh, how, how, why would people do that? People work really hard to make these movies and you're just talking about disrespect, all that sort of thing or whatever. Pet peeves, right? We've all got them. And um, they're these little things that really don't matter that make us angry anyway. Um, and I guess to us and our emotions, that anger makes sense, but really it like, doesn't, right? Like, why are we really angry about something like that? Maybe in life, there are things that you feel anger towards that kind of deserve it, right? Maybe you found yourself when someone like lies to you or someone cheats you somehow, or maybe when someone cheats on you, you feel anger, right? The, the emotion that you first latch onto is anger, and you just feel, I can't believe this is happening to me. How dare they? Why would they do this to me? All this sort of, these emotions start bubbling up, and that's anger too, right? And it's just, it's, it's bad, and it just sits with you, and it stays with you. Anger is very real in those times. Maybe anger that you feel sometimes comes from bigger things, right? You see on the news stories that make you angry, stories of violence or stories of people being taken advantage of or hatred, these things that deserve our anger that make us angry. We see them, or maybe speaking of Facebook, we read about them on social media and be like, I can't believe that someone would do this or someone would say this or someone would believe this and it just builds up inside of us and we just get angry. Does that sound familiar to us? It should. Uh, and if it doesn't, you're lying. So um, <laughs> anger, <laughs> anger is a normal human emotion. We all feel anger from time to time. It happens and it's a part of being human. I want to present you today with a radical idea. And I can almost guarantee that half of you in your brain, maybe out loud, maybe in an email later on, um, are, are going to say this when I start talking. And it's, Matt, I don't agree with you. That's wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Give me a shot because I want to explain what I'm about to say. Okay? I've got two key points today. The first one is this you have no right to anger, none. You have zero right to anger. And I'm talking about pet peeve anger. I'm talking about when someone does you wrong. And I'm talking about big picture anger too. You have no right to anger. But you might be saying, well, no right to like emotional anger, but like it's good to be angry at the right things, right? Like that's called righteous anger. So there's a, there's a phrase in kind of Christian world and in churches. It's a phrase that we have that we use to define things that it's okay for us to be angry at, right? Because it's the stuff that God would be angry at, right? And that makes it okay. Uh, we call it righteous anger. Well, here's my second point, okay? There is no such thing as righteous anger. There is no such thing as righteous anger. Anger's not for us. And that's kind of what I want to talk about here today. You might be saying already, but wait a minute, wait a minute. If anger is bad and anger is sinful, then that doesn't make any sense because God gets angry and God can't sin. And therefore, if God is doing something, it means that it's not sin. Checkmate, Matt. Gotcha. 
Well, here's, here's something that I don't know if anybody's ever told you this or not. And if they haven't, I'm sorry, they should have. But here's the thing. You're not God. And God gets to do some things that you don't get to do. Okay? Hopefully that's not news to any of us. But you're not God, and God gets to do some things that you don't get to do. Let's run through a few of them, okay? Number one, God is allowed vengeance, and we are not. Romans 12, verse 19 says this, Beloved, never avenge yourself, or dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. You might be angry at something and be like, we have to do something about this. We have to take a stand. We have to change this. God is saying, listen, there is right and wrong, but if you're doing this in anger, you're taking vengeance, that's my job. We're not allowed vengeance, but God is. What about this? God is allowed to judge, and we're told not to. Ooh, that's a hard one, isn't it? Uh, Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2 say this. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. That should be a wake-up call, that the way that I judge others is how I am going to be judged someday. And so I want that threshold to be pretty low, honestly, <laughs> because I know that I'm not perfect, and I should afford that grace to others, which is really what we're going to be talking about today. Um, finally, God is allowed to be worshipped. And we are not. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, one of the Ten Commandments. You must not have any other God but me. And here's the thing. If anger is reserved for God, then when you justify your anger, when you allow yourself to be angry, what you're doing is you are putting yourself in the throne of God. You are saying, I'm God, I'm righteous right now, and I'm going to allow myself to be angry because it's righteous anger. You are not God, and you don't get to do that. Don't place yourself as God. Here's a phrase that I think we've all dealt with in our brain. Maybe you've said it out loud. Um, and again, I'm going to know if you're lying, and this is church, and don't lie, but I know that everyone's dealt with this, I think. And here's, here's, the, here's the phrase. You ready? Everyone is an idiot except for me. Does that sound familiar? Anybody ever thought that or felt that? Come on. I know, I know we have. Um, everyone is an idiot except me. Um, if I ruled the world, everything would be better. If I were the dictator, everything would be just fine. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you a story, and it's fictional. It's not true, but I think it's going to hit a little close to home. <laughs> okay? So two people walk into a Target. This is my Sunday, version, Sunday morning version of like a priest and a rabbi walk into a bar. Okay? So this is two people, two people walk into a Target. Okay? One of them, based on the scientific evidence... An expert opinion has decided that it is still appropriate to be wearing a mask. The other person, based on scientific evidence and expert opinion, has decided that it's appropriate to not be wearing a mask anymore. And they're walking through Target, and they go down the same aisle together, and they encounter one another. 
and they make eye contact. Their eyes narrow, and they just stare each other down. The one with the mask is thinking, what an idiot. I can't believe someone would want to endanger all of the population by not wearing a mask. I cannot believe they hate their fellow man so much. I bet they watch Fox News and, and listen to the evil Republicans. I can't believe them. Everyone's an idiot except me. Here's the other guy. What an idiot. I can't believe someone would be willing to destroy a country and cripple an economy and give in. What a sheep. I can't believe that they would still be wearing a mask. You know what? I bet they listen to CNN and MSNBC and all those evil Democrats. Everyone's an idiot except me. Does that hit home for any of us? Anybody been thinking that? Okay, listen. <laughs> when you're assuming that you are right and everybody else is wrong, again, you're pretending to be God. And when you dig into that anger, you are really pretending to be God because you're assuming that you are God. And see, that is, that's the sin of Eden, is it not? I can be like God, knowing right from wrong. Hello? Does that sound familiar? That was from Satan. <laughs> this is not a good thing to say that I am so confident in right and wrong that I can determine it, and that I am always correct. And, you know, I think that's normal. Um, I, we're going to talk a little bit about the image of God, but it's, it's normal that you're feeling this. Uh, and Paul talks about this, right? This is kind of the key text that I'm going to camp out in today. It's Ephesians chapter 4, and Paul talks about this. And first off, though, this first verse is going to be the verse that people use to justify their righteous anger, okay? This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. It says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And they stop reading. They go, see, you see those two words up front? Be angry. That's permission, baby. That's, that's me. I'm going to be angry. And so it's, it's, we ignore context so often when we go through the scriptures, right? If we would just read a little bit more, we would see the context of Paul saying, be angry. What he's saying, he's implying that anger will happen, right? The first chunk of today, we talked about like anger is normal. We all face things that make us angry and it's normal and it's going to happen, but don't. Let it control you and don't hang on to it. This is a verse that's not in uh, our outline and it's not going to be on the screen, but it's, it's Psalm 37 verse 8. And what Psalm 37 verse 8 tells us is what to do with anger. Verse 8 says, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Anger, wrath, fret tends only to evil. No righteousness comes from anger. Not even if you've convinced yourself it's the good kind of anger. It only tends towards evil. Wrath never tends towards righteousness. It only tends towards evil. And so Paul expounds upon this back in chapter 4 of Ephesians. This is what it says a few verses after 26 in verse 31. It says this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger 
and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Paul says that you'll get angry, but you know what you do with it? You put it away from you. You get rid of it. You don't harbor it. You should want nothing to do with anger because it's going to pop up. It's not necessarily sinful when it does pop up, but then you get to make a decision what you do with it. Last week, um, I spoke from this stage to a group that had a bunch of preschoolers and little kids in it, so probably wouldn't have talked about this last week, but I'm glad that this is a big church this week and I can say this, okay? Anger is a lot like lust, okay? Everybody is sexually attracted to somebody, right? That's a normal biological function, right? That's a thing that God has put in us. We're human beings, right? But as soon as that pops up inside of us, we make a decision. What do we do with it, right? If we decide to hang on to that and harbor it and don't put it away from us, then we start objectifying a person. We start lusting. We start looking at them as less than human because we've decided to hang on to that natural emotion. Just like anger. Anger is going to pop up. And we can decide, am I going to put it away from me? Or am I going to hang on to it? Am I going to harbor it? Because when you do that, the same thing happens. You start treating the object of your anger as less than human. You start looking at them differently with yourself as a superior position. Does that make sense? it's, It's not good to hang on to anger. You want to throw it away as fast as you can. And, you know, I think we know that being mad is bad, right? Like, we know that screaming at our spouse and our children, um, that's not a good thing. We know that. We know that we never have to wake up and go to work and be like, hmm, is it righteous for me to cuss out my boss today? It's like no one is saying that, right? No, everyone knows that. It's probably not good. Um, But you know what? It's this righteous anger that I see happen in Christian circles all the time. And I just got to tell you how poisonous this is. And I am talking about Elevate. And I'm talking about other churches. And I'm talking about Christianity as a whole. When we allow ourselves to harbor righteous anger, nothing but problems come from it. It tends only towards evil. It's a toxin. And what it will do is it will drain you It'll drain your church. It'll drain your ministry until it dies and there's nothing left. And I have to say this. I have seen so many ministries and churches and church groups fall apart because they harbored righteous anger. I can't believe the church isn't doing more about this issue. I can't believe that they would play this kind of music. I can't believe that they would let this person be in charge of a ministry. I can't believe they would teach from this Bible translation. I can't believe they would do this and that and all of this sort of thing. And you know what? That, all that is is harboring anger. You might think you're doing the right thing. You might think you're doing this on behalf of God or whatever. But what you are to do is put anger away from you because it will tear you, your church, your community apart. 
Anger tends only to evil. But you know what? Here's the truth. We Christians sometimes like to be angry. It seems like we feel like experiencing this non-existing righteous anger makes us a better Christian. We act like, I'm, I'm angry about the right things, and therefore, I'm, I'm actually pretty good, right? Like, I, like, sure, I have my problems, but at least I'm better than that guy. Uh, I am righteously angry on behalf of God. I'm on his side. It's simply not true, right? Your anger will never make you righteous. There are some people that are always just so critical about other people and other things inside of the church. They, they might be sarcastic about it, or they might be really passive-aggressive about it, or they might be like... I don't go to that church anymore because they're not, they're not really doing what I'm looking for. Um, you know, I, I'm not angry, but really inside, there's a bunch of just anger stirring up. And it's just like, yeah, angry enough to knock over some tables in the back of the church, I'm telling you. It, it's, it just stirs up, and they harbor it, and they keep it, and it's just so, it just leaks out of their mouth. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and everything they say is sarcastic and hateful and all this stuff, and it just happens, and it's just anger being harbored. We just finished a six-week series on the Holy Spirit, right? And so we know the fruits of the Spirit now, okay? Let's let's put them up on the screen. The fruits of the Spirit are are this. uh, Hate, anger, discontent, irritability, meanness, entitlement, worry, uh, uptightness, and a quick temper. Those are the fruits of the Spirit, right? We know that? All right. I was wondering if anybody was going to sing like the way. The fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut. It's not a, I don't know. Okay, no, these are not the fruits of the Spirit, obviously. Let's, Jesse, let's put, let's put up the real ones, okay? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In case it needs saying, hate and anger are two sides of the same coin, and they are not fruits of the Spirit. It, because these things tend only towards wrath. I can promise you, that the hatred you're harboring is not there because God put it there. I can promise you that. The anger you're harboring is not from the Holy Spirit. Never comes from God. And listen, I know, there's a lot of injustice in the world, okay? It doesn't take a social scientist to see that. There's a lot of pain, and there's calamity, and there's poverty all over the planet, there's problems, there's hatred, there's bigotry, there's racism, there's sexism, there's all of these things. And you know what? That's going to continue to be true until Christ returns. And you cannot bring about the utopia, right? There's something in psychology and social sciences called a utopian vision. There's these different philosophies that say, like, we can make the utopia happen. And we know in Scripture that's not possible. We know that this is always going to continue, and in fact, it might get worse. But when Christ returns, all of that is done away with, and every tear is wiped from their eyes. Until Christ returns, that stuff is always going to happen. And you know what? Those things that exist here and now, because you're a Christian, because you love God and you love righteousness, because that is part of the image of God that is within you, to want justice and to want righteousness, that is so normal, and that's there because God put it there you have to decide what you do with it. Because until Christ returns, this stuff is going to continue. When we're angry, as I said before, we put ourselves in the shoes of God. We're not entitled to that anger, any of it. Do you know why? Because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. 
and we desperately need his grace. There's no such thing as righteous anger unless it comes from God because God is holy and his anger is always righteous. We don't have to question that. But see, our most righteous deeds in the eyes of a holy God, as you've read in Scripture, are nothing more than the filthiest of rags. Even the best things that we do to a holy God is not anything compared to him. And we are just as fallen as everybody else on the planet, and we need forgiveness like everybody else. We start trying to justify our anger. What we're saying is that I am more righteous than that person. And the truth is, my friends, you and I are not. You deserve death because of your sin. I deserve death because of my sin. That, that's not from me. That's in the Bible, right? Uh, Romans 6.23 says so. The wages of sin is death. A wage is something that you earn for what you do. The wage of your sin is death. We've earned it. We are in no place to judge the rest of the world, even if they really, really deserve it. Sometimes they do. But because you and I have not done some of the evil, horrible things we see in the world, we think that we're in a place to elevate ourselves above it and to declare them unrighteous when we really haven't examined the log in our own eye. Does that sound familiar? We have no right to anger. None of us are good. The Bible says so too. Uh, Romans 3, verse 10 says, There is no one who is righteous. No, not even one. So if you're thinking, well, yeah, but I've never, not, not even one. I mean, I've never said anything like this about a No, not even one. There is none that is righteous, not even one. You and I are not righteous, and guess what? God does have anger towards sin, and his anger is righteous, right? He hates sin. He hates it so much that he had to do something about it. He can have nothing to do with it at all, and so here's the truth, and it's, it's uncomfortable to talk about, but there's a place where sin gets quarantined forever, right? This universe was not meant to have sin in it, and so God has this place where sin was meant to be quarantined forever, and it's called hell. Hell is a place. It's eternal, and it's totally separate from God because he is putting that anger away from him and onto sin, and he's quarantining it in hell. It's torment because it's a complete, total, unending lack of grace. And here's the thing. When you are angry and you are pretending to be God because that's what you're doing when you're being angry, that is where you wish, that is where you are wishing people to go in your anger. Essentially, when you are playing God and you're angry, you're telling people to go to hell. That is not words that you would ever want to say if you knew what you were saying. Maybe we've thought those things. Maybe we've said that to somebody. And that is the most unrighteous form of anger you can have. You and I are not righteous. But you see, Christ is. We're given 
that righteousness because Christ has given it to us as a free gift. And when God looks at us, he no longer sees our sin, but sees Christ's payment for that sin. And you and I can walk boldly knowing, hey, I am free and forgiven. And there is no sin that holds me down. There's no chain that is keeping me bound to my anger or to any of the other sins I deal with. I'm not perfect, but Christ is perfect. And when God looks at me, he doesn't see my sin anymore. He sees the righteousness of Christ. That's called grace. That's called amazing grace. We sang about it not too long ago. And when you understand that that amazing grace saved a wretch like you and like me, you start to look at people differently, even people that make you angry, even people that have done terrible, terrible, terrible things in this world. You start to look at people differently with grace rather than anger. You start to feel deep sympathy for them and even love, loving your enemies Does that sound familiar? Loving your enemies, extending grace to them. You remember your own sin and the grace that you have. And you start wishing that for other people. Because your anger says, go to hell. Grace and love says, welcome to heaven. Welcome to the family. I want you here. That is grace. That is love. You start looking at people differently. And because he's forgiven you, that is the kind of anger-defeating grace that we must extend to other people. Whether that's people that get on our nerves with little pet peeves, whether that's people that have done us wrong or lied to us or cheated us or cheated on us or said something bad about our mamas or whatever, whether that is the injustice in the world and all the hatred and all the problems and all the violence and all the injustice, whether it's any of that stuff, that anger, We need to refocus it and be like, that anger I'm feeling makes sense, but I'm going to swap it for grace, right? And that's not to excuse the bad things that happen, but this is more about what's going on inside of you, right? There's an old saying. I didn't mention this in the first service. There's a saying. It comes from literature, and I'm not exactly sure where it comes from, but it's a phrase that says, but for the grace of God go I, but for the grace of God go I. When you see something terrible happening to somebody or you see someone terrible, you see someone doing something terrible, people would say, but for the grace of God go I. And what that means is that could be me. That could be me right there. That could be me in that predicament. That could be me making those decisions, but, but for the grace of God go I. You see, let's go back to Ephesians 4, okay? Um, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Put away all anger, all wrath. Any offense that you feel, even when it seems justified. Put it away from you. All righteous anger. What a lie it is to tell someone that righteous anger exists because it's a poison. You're being poisoned. Put away all anger because there is no such thing as righteous anger. 
And you have no right to anger anyway because you're not God. Here's my takeaway for you today. Whenever you feel that anger surging up inside you, remember Paul said that you're going to be angry. Okay, but here's what you do. You put it away from you, right? How do we do that? That's so hard, Matt. You might be saying, I don't know how to put my anger away from me. Maybe you found before today you thought of yourself as a pretty calm person. And you said, I don't really get angry, but then the more we're talking, the more you realize, ooh, I get really ticked off at the news sometimes, or I get really uh, ticked off at things that are happening in the world, and maybe those things deserve it, but you have no right to anger. That's all of us, though, right? And so when you feel those things bubbling up inside of you, here's what I want you to do, okay? And I want you to remember these two words. I want you to take a mental snapshot of these words on this screen and carry it with you as you go off into your life, okay? When you feel anger bubbling up inside of you, I want you to pause and pray. Pause and pray. When you feel anger happening, I want you to take 60 seconds. Take a deep breath. You're going to pray to God, saying, Lord, I'm feeling angry. Though I know I have no right to that anger, please, Help me through it. I am a sinner just like the person or the people I am being angry at. Please help me realize and understand the grace you have for me so I can extend it to other people. Grace is what defeats anger. Learn it. Pause and pray. Whenever you hear someone chewing gum like a horse, pause and pray. Whenever you see someone in front of you that has no understanding of what a turning lane is, pause and pray. Whenever someone lies to you, whenever someone cheats you, whenever someone betrays you, pause and pray. Whenever you see a politician yet again saying something dumb or dangerous, pause and pray. Whenever your Facebook feed is making you angry, click the X, close it out, Pause and pray. Whenever you see injustice, whenever you see hatred, bigotry, racism, sexism, anger towards another person or person group, pause and pray. Because you're not better than that person that your anger is being directed at. You have control over you. And you know what? When you do that, you're going to find something amazing. You're going to find yourself humbled, first of all. But you're also going to start looking at people differently. You're going to start seeing them in a new light. You'll begin understanding God's anger towards your own sin. And you're going to start really understanding the love and the grace that God extends to you despite of it. So when you hear any of these things, whenever you're experiencing anger, just pause and pray because you're going to start wishing grace to those who you're directing anger at. Remember our two points today. You have no right to anger and there's no such thing as righteous anger unless it's coming from God. Remember, he only has the right to it because you are in need of grace just like everybody else, just like 
the objects of your anger are. You and I need grace so badly, and thankfully, we have a God that gives it so completely and freely. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks again.